a leader isn't doesn't have to be the one with the best ideas they don't have to be the one with the best plan but a lot of times leaders are the ones that have the courage to speak up and say something that everyone else may be thinking the leader that can say maybe i'm the problem Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood, presented by Green Remedy. Our next guest is Alex Harbin. Alex is a former high school teammate of mine, and he had a journey that almost made it to the NFL. He went to the University of Cincinnati, went to Mount St. Joe, did have a tryout for minicamp with the Bengals, our hometown team, a dream come true for him. But it didn't work out, but Alex has now found his passion and he owns a gym in Cincinnati called Iron Sharpens Iron Training, and he is just a great all-around guy. He's positive, a Christian. He's one of the most athletic people that I've ever been around, even since an early age. He's been beating me out since we were 13 years old, probably. But I I believe that everybody can benefit from listening to this podcast. And and Alex's positivity is infectious, and, and you'll really enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsor, Green Remedy. Green Remedy is a company based out of Louisville that I've grown to love. I use their full-spectrum CBD oil products to help with pain, anxiety, and sleep. I've loved using this product, and I love how clean their product is. I have seen the raw materials from the farm, and I was walked through the entire process. I am passionate about getting people off medications, and using a 100% all-natural product like this is so much better for you than pumping pills all day, anti-inflammatories, and, and, and stuff that I had to do throughout my career to get by. And now that I'm done, I, I'm not pain-free, but this CBD oil has helped dramatically and get me off of all those anti-inflammatories and painkillers that, that are so bad for you. Go to greenremedy.com and use code EWOOD70 at checkout to get 10% off your order and use the auto ship feature so that you can stay consistent because you will love the results. Again, that's greenremedy.com, code EWOOD70. Alex Harbin, welcome to the show. Man, I am excited and grateful to be here. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure having you on. Why don't you start off by telling the listeners about where you grew up, sports you played through high school, you know, we played together. I know it, but, yeah, but fill yeah. our listeners in. So I, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, on the west side, best side. I uh, grew. Up, I played all types of sports. Really, it was sports were the thing that developed me as a person early on in my age. I played baseball. I wasn't very good. I played volleyball. I played. Uh, you know, I didn't run track, but I did do basketball. I played soccer, and then I played football starting in like fifth grade. So I did all that, and then went into high school, narrowed it down. I did football and just basketball going into high school my dream was to be a college basketball player that's just Kenya Martin was everything I was, I was gonna way. be yeah I was gonna be six seven and I was gonna be playing for the Bearcats coach Huggins all that stuff uh turns out I was better at football so after high school I went on to uh to play some college football and you know so that's that's kind of the sports that I played growing up there on the west side and you know it's a small side of town and we knew each other from uh from grade school on really I remember the first time we ever met was actually playing basketball against each other. Right. And uh, that was it was it was around that time that I realized I wasn't quite as good at basketball as I thought I was. Yeah. yeah. You know, I up until that time, I had played against all the Catholic school kids. Right. And I I thought I was pretty good. You know, I wasn't the best one, but one of the best. And then we started playing and we played 
You and your cousins. Yeah, Josh and Jamar, we were playing for Dater at yep, the time. Yep, we were playing at the Shiviet Fire Tournament. Yep, and that was one of the televised tournaments. Yeah. The only I televised. Well, I have no idea what station it was on, but it was televised. Yeah, oh yeah, my grandma would always give me a copy of it recorded. So, But I do remember at that time thinking, wow, they have three dudes that are as big, if not bigger than me. They're all stronger than me, and yeah. they're all better at basketball. This yeah. is uh, this is going to be uh, this is a little bit of a wake up call. Yeah. yeah, and then we we go we go into Elder together, and then I don't even make the team my freshman year for basketball, which was uh, which was crazy, which was humbling. Yeah, extremely humbling for me, and uh, something I needed. And I mean, we we've talked about it, and, and it comes up on the podcast. It's like everything you know, along your path happens for a reason to get you where you were. And, yes. you know, I, I needed I, – exactly. I got humbled a lot in high school yeah. from a sports perspective. My humbling came later, you know, and, and, and I look back and I – it's it's you never want to trade lives, right? But, like, I look back and go, like, man, was there – what had something that happened to me later happened earlier, where would I be now? It's not a regretful thing. It's just an insightful thing that I kind of think about, you know, as I look back and – and the way things went, so right. And you were so big and strong and athletic, you weren't as challenged. No, you no. weren't forced to develop. No, like I'm not saying I I developed more or or whatever, but my junior year I wasn't even starting. No, so I thought, man, I better do something, and I worked my tail off, and then got lucky to get one scholarship to the University of Louisville. Yeah, and uh, and it all worked out. But I got extremely challenged and extremely sure. humbled, which. Who knows? Yeah, my my I, if on that topic, I remember junior year. Um, you know, like you said, I was I was able to I was able to use what I'd been given, you know, just from from the start, and and I was able to I, I worked hard in practice, you know, but anything extra beyond that didn't necessarily always come easy to me. It wasn't always easy for me to show up in the weight room, whether it was for resources I didn't have rides or any of that stuff. Whether it was, you know, oh man, if I go in there, they're gonna really see that I'm not who they think I am wow. kind of stuff, right? Like the, just those insecurities that show up. Um, and this is all hindsight. And when I'm looking back, I'm like, maybe For that's sure. what I was going through in that time. But junior year, I got the opportunity to start um, at Elder High School where we went and I got injured. And, you know, I didn't put that time in the weight room. I didn't put that time in the to develop my body and the strength of my body. And I was out there against people that were putting in that time. And I got injured early in that season. I worked my way back. I got injured again. I worked my way back and I got injured on, I was starting for our playoff run, our junior year, I was going to be starting and was the last full pad practice before the playoff started. And I rolled my ankle again. Mm. And so that was like that first time I was really got humbled. And, uh, and, and that was that, that set something in me that said, okay, your, your natural ability is no longer enough. Right. Um, and you know, it wasn't that like from that, it was, I wish it was that moment on that just changed everything for me, but it was that moment that gave me a little bit of insight of like, you're going to have to do more than just show up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. You know, we, we win two state championships at elder in football. The only two they've ever won, which is a very story program yes. on the West side of Cincinnati, which is a huge deal and something I probably don't internalize enough. Not that you want to rest on your high school laurels, yeah. but something I just never even took that much took even any credit for personally or took much pride in is yeah. what we accomplished is because you're always worried about what's next in life. What's next. Yeah. And, um, but looking back pretty special about all the people Man. that played at elder 
to never win a state championship, and we won back-to-back back our to junior, back. senior year. Hey, the only two years we were on varsity, yep. we won state championships. I'm not saying there's a direct correlation there, but – no, I'm kidding. I'm just – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we didn't ever lose to a team in the state of Ohio. No. Well, even – I think we lost – as freshmen, we lost to two Ohio teams, and yeah. that was it. Right? Yeah. So we lost to St. X. And then we lost to Dublin Sciota, which I, I'm still convinced they sent their varsity team down right. to play us that day. Yes. I don't know if you remember that I game. I do remember that. Uh, but those were, we lost those two games. Sophomore year, undefeated. The next year, we play against uh, a team from here in, in Louisville where we're recording this, Trinity. Mm-hmm. They had a heck of a quarterback that w- became your teammate. Brian Brom. Brian Brom. pictures on the wall behind me uh, yeah. in, in my basement where we're recording this. One of the best um, – quarterbacks one of the best athletes one of the, just a guy that when you watch it you're just like man there's something different something right. different about this guy when he was on the field and then the next year we played against warren central in the same tournament second game of the year just like the other one but they're an indiana team and they they give us the business right so it's like a, right. a, another two really again two humbling moments That's what i was just gonna say right like where we came out game one Oh, we're unstoppable. We're we're just as good as, if not better, as we as we've always been. And then the next the next week, it's kind of like, okay, it's not going to be enough just to show up with that elder on your chest, right? So, yeah. But how, but but how valuable was us getting humbled early in the season both yeah. year, and it correlated to where, man, we got a quick wake up call. Mm-hmm. Teams that were we we beat teams all the time that were more talented than oh, yeah, us for just sure. because we outworked them, and you know we had five guys our senior year of high school that went on to play D1 football, I believe. Yeah. But but we had countless guys play 1AA, D2, D3 yeah. ball. And those are your, like and, – And go there and be successful. Not yeah. just be on the team, but, like, play and start and hold records. And, yeah. you know, Rob Florian setting records up at Dayton. Right. As a sub. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, so – we had we had a really good high school team, but we will uh, we will move on from yeah, that. Yeah, let's move on from yeah. that. We can do that for an hour. Yeah, all of our Buffalo and Louisville and national listeners aren't aren't going to be too fond of right. much more high school talk. So you graduate from Elder and you go to the University of Cincinnati. What led to your decision to go to the UC and then you transferred to Mount St. Joseph, which is a, a school in Cincinnati? Yeah. As well. So uh, really, much like you, I only had really one full offer on scholarships coming out of high school. Um, mine was you know, kind of came from, you know, the result of the, my classroom work ethic. And, you know, I always scored really high on tests, but I didn't always do so well in the grades. So the grades were really important. And, you know, that was something that kind of held me back from, you know, from teams wanting to take a chance on me, but UC gave me a shot and they gave me a full scholarship opportunity. I went in there as like a gray shirt, which is like a, uh, you kind of, you got a spot on the team, but you don't join the team until a certain point. So you can kind of manipulate some of that eligibility window um I went there and again another just kind of wake up call like wow this is no longer high school football um I'm not the best you know I'm not even close to being the best here I you know I got potential um the coaches don't know me and they really don't have any use for me just yet so I need to figure out where I fit in and that was that was a that was a tough transition right because even to this day you're six five and you're 200 and some pounds. Yeah. I mean, you look like walking around Cincinnati. I'm sure people ask you if you play for the Bengals. Oh, all the they time. still, yeah, they yeah. still think I play at yeah. this point. Yeah. And you've looked like this since you were 16, 17 years old. Exactly. So, right. so for you to go into UC and say that, yeah. you know, that's, was, that's a humbling experience. Because, Trent Cole, right? Trent Cole is lining up wow, on the D line. Yeah. Um, 
Andre Frazier, who went to play for the Steelers for a few years. I think he's got a Super Bowl ring with them. That D-line was incredible. Unbelievable D-line. We had uh, we had Brent Selleck on the other side of the ball lining up at tight end, right? So that's – as a scout team guy, I'm lining up across from Brent Selleck. I'm lining up across from these guys that are just un- unbelievable football players. Right. So you go on, and then you transfer to Mount St. Joseph, have a great career there. Yeah. And, and it was fun for me to follow it, you know, a lot of – a lot of elder guys end up at, at Mount St. Joe. Yeah. But but that's where you kind of came into your own as a person, correct? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, yeah. Again, just kind of feels like a theme, but just each thing that kind of feels like a setback sometimes is really just a setup for you to become more of who you're created to be is what I believe. So um, while I, I, I wish that my my career would have continued at the Division One level, it, I just wasn't ready. You know, I personally wasn't ready. I needed to mature. I needed to grow up. I needed to – I needed to go through some some things to help me get to that point where I could step into my own. I could step into a leadership role, and so I went to Mount St. Joe after uh, after leaving um, Division One, you know, college football, and I'm now I'm at Division Three. And you know, you walk on to the campus, and hey, you're that transfer. Hey, you're that D1 transfer, and everybody thinks that you're the next coming, right, uh, the next Messiah of the of the program. And I'm kind of looking at myself like. No, like I need to show up here and go to work. Like that's, I'm not going to fall trapped to that anymore. And I would right. say that much like I had that kind of aha moment as a junior in high school, that transition from UC to Mount St. Joe, where I was showing up at a division three school and I was saying, I'm going to come here and play for the passion of the game. There's no perks, right? Like we don't got a Nike deal. We're right. not going to be on TV this weekend. NFL scouts aren't coming to my games. We're going to have about a thousand people in the stands. Do you want this or not? And and that's what I kind of, I was faced with that. And, and I had to make a decision in that moment. Yeah. Well, not many guys from the D3 level get this opportunity, but then you go to mini camp with the Cincinnati Bengals yeah. after your playing career and at Mount St. Joe and talk to me about that mini camp experience. And then it doesn't work out. And that's your last time on a football field. Right. And, and you're my first guest to not to, to have played sports and pursued it and not make it. What's the transition like going from college to a working career? And how long did you then pursue it? Because you still look like you could play. You could yeah. still honestly, I mean, maybe not at 33, 34 years old. But, yeah. but five years ago, you could have still been pursuing it and given the right opportunity to potentially play it on a field. On yeah, Sundays. I mean, you know, it's that as good as I once ever was, right? Like, right. It, that's kind of how I feel at this moment. But, you know, when I when I came out of Mount St. Joe's, it was um, – I, I went in there and I said, I'm going to go to the NFL. And I made a decision. And I said, I don't, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to play for somebody. And I'm going to do if – I, if I would have had to get eight sacks at Division One, I, I'm going to get 24 sacks at Division Three. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to go above and beyond. And um, I was fortunate to get that opportunity to go and, and put, you know, my hometown helmet on, man. And grew up, so cool. grew up in Cincinnati, played sports there my whole life. Uh, you know, a huge Bengals fan. And, and here I am. I'm standing in Paul Brown Stadium with a stripes on my helmet and a jersey that has my name on it. And I'm standing in the locker room getting interviewed about this kind of hometown kid that, you know, worked his way up through the Division three ranks, and now he's getting his opportunity. Um, I, you know, I went there, and I gave it everything I had. And um, and, and I've, I've never had a moment about that that I've been like, man, well, what if I would have? Mm-hmm. What if I would have? I just – I worked so hard, and I knew that if I got there, I was going to do everything I could to stay there. 
and it just didn't work out. So, um, you know, I went to the to rookie mini camp, and I was hoping to get called into uh, you know preseason camp. That never that call never came. I I, I had heard that I was like a reserve or on the you know first to call it. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it never happened. And so I, I dabbled a little bit. I, you know, I stayed in shape. I kept working out. Um, you know, I, I started to uh, to try to take any sort of t- tryout or meeting or anything I could. So at one point, I flew out to San Jose and I tried out for the Saber, some Saber Cats, San Jose Saber Cats. So they're an arena team. Um, I was playing with a team called the Cincinnati Commandos. I was, you know, I was still pursuing that, and I, I would say I gave it a good another one, you know, eighteen months to two years where it was like, I'm going to do anything I can to get back on that field and play. And I never was able to actually get back out there. Right. And, and, and that's a transition I see from a lot of guys. And, and so you were extremely close to getting a practice squad offer. And, and let's say you, you train for two years and then you get on the Bengals practice squad and, and you never get called up, but you're there for a couple of years. But you're, let's say you're not even from Cincinnati, like yeah. a lot of guys, they right. don't go to a team where they're from. So now they have two residences and, and people think – you know, everybody that comes out of the NFL has got all this money, right. and they're set. Well, that ninety thousand, or it might be a little over a hundred now, man. When you cut it, almost cut it in half for taxes, and you have two residences, and you're going out to eat with guys on the team, and you're not, you don't want to sit in your hotel room every right. single night. I mean, it, it's tough on these guys. And then when you put it in perspective, they're four years behind getting into the workforce than mm-hmm. everyone else. So now they're they're 27 now trying to get an entry-level job. Right. And it, it's just – it's not all glitz and glamour. It isn't. No, it's a know, grind. And, and it's and an unguaranteed grind. For sure. Yeah. What did you get into first when you got done playing ball? So so when I when I made that decision to stop playing or to stop pursuing a career, um, I just – you know, I, I, had a, I had a degree. I had a sport management degree. Um, I took a, a, a six-week internship with – you know, a company that put on sports camps in the local area. And I sat at a desk there and, you know, they, they gave me some tests to do and, you know, it's supposed to be six weeks. So I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of like, Oh my, no, this isn't, this isn't going to work out for me. You know, I'm, I'm like in week two and they call me in the office and I'm like thinking about my six week. I'm like, I got four weeks left here. I haven't, I literally don't think I've done anything for two weeks. They're probably going to let me go. Right. So I sit down and they, they make me an offer hey, we want to bring you on the team right now. And that was kind of another moment for me where I was like, I don't know if this is, you know, maybe football is not for me, but I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. So, right. I, you know, I, I politely declined the offer. And, uh, I, again, I was still staying in shape. I was still working out. And I had, a, I had a trainer at the time that just said, hey, you know, why don't you just come and train? You know, you, you, you get, try to get some clients. You can be here. I'll help you out. You don't have to pay anything to be a trainer here. You just you just try to get on your feet and then we'll figure it out from there. And uh, I, I thought back to being an athlete. I thought back to um, being a coach. I coached a grade school team when I was still in, in, in college. And so I had a lot of fun and I was like, okay, like, let me, let me check this out. So I, I actually was able to get one client and he's still my client today. Um, and he paid me after I took him through a workout and I, right there, I fell in love with it. I was like, this is, this is something I think I could do at least for the next few years. I didn't know it was going right. to be something that would become my life's work, but yeah, that that's, I went from that kind of desk jobs internship thing to realizing like, I need to be up and moving and impacting people and, and, and being around people and adding value in that way. So, 
Yeah, I don't think either of us are cut out for a desk. No, I, I don't think our attention spans not, are not there, and, and I think our purpose is a little different than yes. than punching numbers. Not that you can't make an incredible impact oh. and and do your thing doing that. We're for just sure. we're just kind of cut from the yeah, same. Yeah, no, cloth. I'm not. I'm not above that work. I, we need we. I need that person in my life. You know what I mean. My, my wife is very good at those types of things, but like you said, my my energy systems aren't set up that way. My attention span isn't set up that way. I got to be moving and, and doing something. So right, absolutely. Tell me about the business you now run in Cincinnati. Yeah, Iron Sharpens Iron. Uh, we are a, uh, a fitness facility. We do we focus in group training and we do some personal training. Um, we really just try to bring um, a positive spin to the fitness world um, and to helping people choose challenge to create the change they want to see in their lives. That's awesome, man. And, and it's been fun for me to follow it from afar yeah. and, and see how it's grown and, and the positivity that you portray through your social media um, at underscore Harbs underscore. Yeah. And um, give him a follow and it, it'll uplift you, and you'll see why yeah. they have a ton of members up there, and they pour into so many people in the community. And these people are getting in shape too. I appreciate. Yeah, that, you'll yeah. you'll see you'll see a uh, a fit looking clientele, right? You know, because because the results are there. And this is something I, I've had to deal with over the past year or so. Yeah. Tell me about you know you go from being an athlete and mm. being coached mm -hmm. to now being the coach how hard is it to not identify yourself as an athlete and we were talking about it earlier one of the first wake up calls for me is going into a doctor's office and yeah. not just walking into the back waiting in line like now that you're catering to other people how how has that impacted you so so i think the, i always try to look at something and go like how can i maintain everything I, what did i like about being an athlete what what are the elements of an athlete and i put that in quotations that i really liked and, right. and do i really have to say goodbye to those things you know running out on the field people cheering and being excited about you know no one's cheering for me because i took the dirty towels home and put them in the washer and fold right like no one's doing that anymore but there are things about like being coached being in a position to learn um, taking knowledge and applying it and becoming wisdom or becoming experience. Like those are things that I really, when I look back and I go, that's probably why I really like being an athlete. And I don't have to let go of that. You know, right. I can, I can learn from people. I can still find someone to call coach. Um, I can, I can submit myself. And, and then when I teach, we do group fitness. And when I teach these classes, this is where I get to go out and perform and apply myself. So, so that's kind of where I get to get that kind of like, performance turn it on turn it up a notch you know like this is just an elevated per persona of myself where I'm not trying to be something I'm not but I get to you know right. yell and scream and clap and group fitness allows me to feel like I'm a part of a team so when I, we got people in there punching bags we get we got 24 people in a class running and doing ropes and slamming uh slam balls and you know all that stuff man like that is where in that moment I'm like okay here's all those things that I really enjoyed about being an athlete and I get to create them with other people um, and call them teammates if that's what I want to call them. So, yeah, that's really cool. And, and, and a lot of the stuff you were talking about shows where you're at as a leader now. Do you have any specific mentors or people that have poured into you that you've learned from, from a leadership perspective? I, I do. And, and what I always try to do for that is I try to look at people that are successful and they are where I want to be or they've been where I am. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and sometimes you can find that sweet spot. They've been where I am and they are where I want to be. And if you can find that person, you, you, you cling to them and, and anything they give you, 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 you know, you take it and you, and you try to apply it. So I got a guy is uh, his name is uh, Joshua Jason Johnson. He's just someone I've known since I was a kid. He was my basketball coach. 
um, when I was a young kid. He was actually my older brother's age. They were teammates in high school. And he's just someone that when I look at him, I go, okay, he was an incredible athlete. 70 plus percent field goal percentage in high school wow decided to not go play basketball for whatever reasons um it wasn't anything on his own it was just some you know it was just a it was a decision that he made and and he's someone that I looked at and went like you have no reason to be the man you are but you are that man right like everyone would give you an excuse to not be the way you are and something about that is something that I want to be when I grow up so he's probably you know, he's going to kill me if I say it wrong, but I'd say it's 10, 10 years ahead of me, 10, you know, eight to 10 years older than I am. So he was a husband first. He was a father first. He was a professional first. He graduated college first and he's doing all these things that otherwise I wouldn't necessarily think I could do. So as I'm looking at him and as I'm seeing him learn and as I'm seeing him grow, he's giving me that knowledge. So he's someone that I would say is a, a huge, you know, apart from my parents and, you know, things right. like that, but he's someone that I would say, that dude has directly influenced me um, in my life, and he's an, he's the best encourager. And so whenever he encourages, and I know how it makes me feel, I'm like, man, I'm going to give that to other people, right? So he's someone that's incredible. Um, there's people in the, uh, you know, leaders in the, in the industry that I don't know, but, I you know, I follow them. I listen to Craig Groeschel, who is a pastor of, like, a thousand churches, but he has, like, a leadership podcast, and, you know, he talks about things in a way that are quick and easy, and if you if you listen and you're willing to try it and you take the feedback and see if it works, you know, that's he's someone that I just, you know, I, if he if he tells me something, I'm going to see if it works out in my life. So a lot of different people like that. And then, uh, you know, in the fitness world, I'm always just trying to learn from anybody I can. Right. So, yeah, that's cool. And that's part of what brought you down here today. Come to exactly. our gym personal fitness and rehabilitation performance here in Louisville, PFR yeah. performance. So you came down here to check it out yeah. and, and connect, and, and we appreciate that. And I love your learning mentality, and I'm the exact same way. And, 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 and when we say success, when me and Alex say success, we're talking about good husbands, good dads, yeah. Christians. Correct. Yeah, successful in business too. Like, yeah. yeah, you're out there doing something. You're successful in something. You're at the top of your field, whatever it may be. But we're not necessarily just talking about this guy who makes a lot of money. And I've identified a lot of people in the same way, try to learn from them. And and I tell people all the time, just the people I'm surrounded with where we live in Louisville and the people I was blessed to meet up in Buffalo and the people I grew up around in Cincinnati, I'm just like – at times I'm so humbled and so filled with gratitude that I've got these people in my corner. It's it's unbelievable, and and it takes me back all the time. You know, you, you talked about your mentor, the encouraging. Yes. And, and and I love that from a leader. What what's your favorite leadership characteristic, or or maybe a couple? Yeah. So one of the things I would say is like, a, um, and actually, my a friend of mine just told me this recently, and he just said, um, one of the best qualities of a, any leader is the courage. Um, and, and what he meant by that was, a leader isn't usually it doesn't have to be the one with the best ideas. They don't have to be the one with the best plan. But a lot of times leaders are the ones that have the courage to speak up and say something that everyone else may be thinking um, or to do the thing that everyone else wishes would get done. So sometimes leading is through action in in those ways. Um, Another leadership quality that I really enjoy is um, humility. Mm -hmm. The uh, the leader that can say, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the lid. I'm not the lead right now. Maybe I'm the lid. Maybe I'm in the way of the progress. And, and that feels counterintuitive to leading, but really right. the leader, if they say, Hey, 
I'm not going to lead from power. I'm going to lead from influence. And right now, I don't have the right idea. Or I'm going to make a suggestion. Don't just say yes because of the position I'm in. Challenge me. So a leader that has humility to understand that maybe their idea isn't the best and they're willing to hear from the people around them. Um, and then another one is, is honesty. Um, uh, or, you know, a leader that's willing to say, I messed up. Right. You know, and, and, and to own it. That's huge because, because what ultimately all three of those things do is they create trust. And if there's not trust on a team, that team will not be successful. I don't care what level, what organ. So take team out and let's just say organization. So your right. family, that's an organization. Your church is an organization. Your work is an organization. Your team organization. So if there's not trust there, nothing else will work. Right. That's, that's great stuff. And, and, and something that I know you've put a lot of thought into, I've heard you speak on leadership before. I, I was anxious to hear your response to that. You know, I love leaders that walk the walk. You know, anybody yeah. can talk about it, but I right. like guys that model it on a consistent basis. It was mm-hmm. always really hard for me to respond to coaches when they would say, I need this linebacker to drop five pounds because he's running slow, but then he's walking around like a slob around mm-hmm. the building. Right. And it was hard for me to listen to guys that said, hey, you guys need to get here earlier. You need to put in more time. And then they're not the ones modeling it for their assistant coaches yeah, or right. whoever it may be. Yeah. I, I like guys that walk the walk. I love your point on humility. Yeah. And, and people just respond better to humble people. Man. And, 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 and you can have confidence. Correct, yes. But be humble. What's the saying? They say it, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less often. Absolutely. Right. So it's not – humility doesn't diminish you. So, so what I'm told is that I'm – I'm not more important than anyone else and no one else is more important than me. Right. Right. So it's like, it's, and I'm going to continue to try to put myself under someone so that I can learn. And and if I do that, I just found that if, if I'm willing to do that, my life works in ways that I didn't know it could. Yep. That's incredible. And, and, and another one of mine is servant leadership. Mm. And, and I, I hope that I always portray that because I never want to ask somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do. Mm, yes. And, and, and that, that kind of goes back to, you know, similar stuff to like when we would do rookie nights, I would always tell guys, don't have them buy you, don't have the rookies buy you something Man. that you and your wife wouldn't go get on a date. Yes. Don't drink a Johnny Walker blue scotch just because just he's because, buying. Right, yeah. If you don't order shellfish and you don't order – and so I would always tell people that. But similarly, at the gym, like we worked out this morning – and we could have left all the weights out, and there's people whose job it is to put it away. Right. But what's it look like for me if we leave a big old mess up there? Yes. And I, if we clean everything up and we put it exactly where it needs to go, right. well, then the people that work up there say, man, Eric does that, and he owns this place. Right. I, Model I, I that. Wanna, I want to yeah. follow that. Model that behavior. Um, yes, that's, that's, so, that's so good. And, and, and I think, too, you know, there comes a point in every, every leader's life where – you know, it might become a point where like you ultimately can't clean that stuff up, but no one can take away the fact that you've been there and you will always be able to lead well because you'll remember that moment in time where that was your job. So much like you said, for a rookie, you never forgot about being a rookie, right? That's humility. You weren't a rookie and then said, okay, finally, I'm not a rookie anymore. And I can I can run the roost here. Like you, you never forgot that moment. And that's what allowed you to have that humility. And that's why I would imagine I never was in the locker room, but I would imagine those guys would have nothing but great things to say about you. I appreciate that. One of the most humbling things for me 
is, you know, I've had former teammates on, on the show mm-hmm. and ask them who their favorite teammate was. And, you know, they might say two or three, but to be in those, be in those mentions is just like absolutely yeah, humbling to me. And that's it's something that's, you know, I would never would have envisioned, you know, when I was 16 or 17 years old, not even starting at Elder High School. To me, it's just at times I get taken aback by those types of things. I love the name of your gym, Iron Sharpens Iron Training. Did naming the gym, quoting it, a Bible verse ever scare you from a business standpoint? Um, You know, early on, so faith is a big part of who I am. It's, you know, it's it's not like a part of me. It's just literally like it's the way I see the world. It's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's the lens in which I see everything. So I knew that I didn't want to alienate people with that, though, right? So, um, you know, growing up, you know, going into any weight room, I think right now at the Cincinnati Bengals weight room, it says Iron Sharpens Iron. At the UC weight room, I remember at one point it said Iron Sharpens Iron. It did at the University of Louisville, too, and right. I had no idea it was Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen as one as Iron Sharpens Iron, one man sharpens another. I had no idea about that, but exactly. I've seen it many times. Yeah, so it, to me, it's it's one of those things where it's like truth is universal, right? Like if it's true, it's true. Nothing nothing changes about it, and it doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't mean that it's not true, right? So um, I, as like we talked about the people that I look up to, the people that were there for me when I was younger, I realized that like my whole life, the only reason that I am where I am today is because someone else was willing to put themselves under me in a sense Mm -hmm. of they made my well-being more important. So whether it was a coach that showed up early to drag the baseball field and cut the grass and then line the field so that we had somewhere to play, that guy said, man, these kids are more important than whatever else I could be doing right now. And Or the person that was willing to stand there and say, you're not living up to your potential. You can be doing more with your life. And they were willing to stand in front of me and give me that hard conflict and those hard words of love that I didn't necessarily like to hear in that moment, I knew that if, if I wanted to help other people get somewhere, that it was going to be like the process of iron sharpening iron, which if you, look, if you ever get into that, if you watch it, it's not a, it's not a comfortable process, right? It's, it's high heat, it's hammering, it's pounding, it's all these things, but the result is a refined, sharp edge. And I knew that if I wanted to have a gym, it was going to be about, hey, we're going to go through some hard things, and I'm going to do it with love and passion and purpose, but by the end of it, we're going to be better. So I knew that if somebody knew that was a Bible verse, great. They probably would love to come. And if they don't, it's still a name that resonates. Right. So that, so I, I never really got super nervous about, oh man, like maybe if they don't believe what I believe, they won't come here because the reality is our gym is a gym for everyone, but I can't hide who I am in the process. Right. I love your point about how your faith isn't a part of your life. It It is your life. It's yeah. how you see everything. I, I love the way you said that. It, and one thing for me is uh, for a lot of my life, my faith was a part of my life, mm. a part that I could separate. Yeah. And now it's like my goal is just to be the same person all the time, all the always time. be walking by the virtues of the spirit, like always just be that way right. and just keep integrated and then not put on a bunch of different masks. Man, it's, ex- and, it's exhausting. And, and <laughs> over the past 18 months, I've had some opportunities to do some soul searching, not working. Right. And that's, that's allowed me to do some things like that. You're uplifting, you're positive, you're encouraging. 
do you have a morning routine or what do you do daily that fills your cup? Because I always see you on social media and from people I talk to in Cincinnati, you're filling a ton of other people's cups. Yeah. What fills yours daily? Um, what really fills mine is just that morning time. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, you hear people say, oh, I get up and I read, you know, I read. So me personally, I read the Bible. Like sometimes it's a it's a five to 10 minute in depth kind of study. Sometimes it's literally just opening my Bible app before I touch anything else and just reading that verse of the day. And it's just one verse, you know, sometimes it's a three sentence verse. Sometimes it's a single verse, but it's, it's what I'm saying is I'm putting my mind and my body and everything else in a posture of learning. Right. What is there for me to learn today? So it's as soon as I wake up, that's the very first thing I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking in something and it's making me think about how I want to move about my day. Um, another thing is I, I tend to start my day going to the gym to lead a class. I don't start with any sort of exercise, but I know that I'm leading that class. So when people show up, they're tired too, but they, I don't get paid to be tired. Right. So, right. so I gotta, I gotta step it up to another level. And I always try to say I get to, as opposed to I have to. So I get to go to the gym today. Right. I get to lead people in an exercise today. I get to wake up at 4.30 and leave the house and drive into the gym, right? Like instead of I have to, I have to, I have to. It's just a simple word change that changes your posture, it changes your mindset, and it allows you to show up feeling ready and energized to, to be around some really positive people. So That's awesome. On your way to the gym, I don't know how long your commute is. Are you doing music, podcasts? What's waking you up on your way in? most of the time I'm, I'm, it's just quiet. You know, it's just quiet. It's, it's, it's a seven minute drive. It's not very long. I, I, I try to enjoy like, you know, the roads are pretty empty, especially on my early mornings where I'm, I'm driving into the gym around 5.00 AM. There's not a lot of other cars. Um, I'm thinking I'm just in, I'm introspection. It, it's, it's praying, right. It's, it's never stopping praying. So it's, it's not like a dear God type of thing, but it's like, I'm, I'm giving all of these things. Hey, th- I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know who's going to be in, in, in my life today, but allow me to be a person that is positive and encouraging and adds value to this person's life. That's my aim for today. And whatever, whatever the day has, I'm ready to attack it. That's awesome. I, I have uh, talked about it before, but in Buffalo, I had a five minute drive to the stadium. Mm. And likewise, a lot of times the, the roads were empty at the time I was going in. And my thing that I would do every morning, I called it my gratitude drive. And every day when I would go in, it'd be really easy in the middle of the season to just get real caught up in the monotony of another day, another practice, Mm. another rehab session, another game, another game plan. And it's, it's monotonous and you forget you are literally living out your dreams, man, something that God gave you this unbelievable opportunity. And so like literally every single day I would go in and literally fill myself up with gratitude and, and prior to that, I would have already meditated and read my Bible at home. Right. And then I would drive in with just this gratitude. And I would literally walk in the door. And the first thing you do when we would get to the facility with the Bills is they would weigh you in every single day. And the strength coaches are in the locker room. And then you would fill out this survey of how many hours of sleep you had, how you're feeling, if you're tired, where you have pain on your body. It was, it was kind of in-depth yeah. and, and yeah. crazy. But I would always be messing with people. And I was upbeat. And I'm like, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Like, what's your deal? I'm like, actually, we have a newborn, you know. Right. But I just got done with a drive and literally just got done thinking about, like, man, how crazy is it that I didn't even start 
at my high school as a junior. And I don't want to keep harping on that no, point. No, but that's your story, man. But then, people need to hear that. And then now I am literally a captain in the NFL of an NFL team. And then the years that we, we weren't any good and we were, you know, out of the playoffs and it's week 14 and mm. you feel terrible and the sun literally hasn't been out in Buffalo for 40 straight days, which – happened we oh, set a gosh. record we had a set, we set a record in buffalo for straight gray days it was unbelievable <laughs> it, hey, we didn't see the you sun. guys were doing something that season yeah, yeah we 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 didn't see the sun for over 50 days it was a record even in buffalo wow. but but i would fill my cup in with gratitude in the morning and then be able to pour into others and i love i love hearing that you do the silent one in because it's like man some people can get hyped on music and everything else but yeah. Where does that get – I mean, yes, if you're listening to Hillsong United, you right. know, you might be getting filled with the war and right. all that, but um, – Well, for me, too, when I show up at the gym, the first thing that's going to happen is I'm cutting music on. So, like, my day is full of music at the gym. Right. So, I'm like, this is a great time for me to not have any of that going into my ears. So Yeah. We mentioned Elder High School earlier. Um, I just want to mention it briefly again. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest lesson you took away from attending Elder High School in Cincinnati? That, um, that That's a we over me. Um, and, and if you walk into my gym, you'll see this on the wall. It's just the word we, and it's over the word me. And, and what I learned there is that, um, a lot of times people think of high school as like, okay, you got this crowd that, you know, this is the jocks and you got this crowd. Those are the, you know, those are the guys that are on the chess team, you know, just those really mm -hmm. stereotypical, all oh, that's the band. And what I, what I really liked about elder, you know, one of the things it was an all male school. So I know that that helps things be a little bit different we're not trying to impress the opposite sex so there's different things there we're not right. trying to have that status but I just loved how much everybody got along and right. you know on the weekends it wasn't just like me hanging out with all other football players most of the people I hung out with didn't even play sports at Elder that I would say were my closest friends or they played a completely different sport than me um, most of the people that you're in class with and it was a very uh, it was a very unified experience so um, that's one of the things I try to take away from that is that we over me mentality of like, yeah, I'm important, but the collective group and the benefit of that is always better. And if I look at it in a sense, the higher that the, the greater the we is in that fraction is kind of set up like a fraction, the greater the we, the greater the me equals. Wow. Right. So yeah, like, like if, if it's four above one, what's that equal? So the higher and the more powerful the we becomes the actually the greater the value of the individual happens. So I learned that, you know, I, I didn't realize I was learning it at elder, but that's something that I take away from my experience at elder. That's cool. I would say mine is probably uh, the most valuable lesson I learned was time management because similar to college, we would go to school all day, mm -hmm. then you would work out, then you would practice. Yeah. I worked at the cemetery part of the year, so I learned how to have a job. It was just yeah, time management. Right. Well, when we got to college, a lot of guys couldn't handle it. Man, Guys it was... weren't used to working out four or five times a week, and guys weren't used to doing homework and, and all that stuff. And, and I'm not saying I was a perfect student at either spot or, right. or a case study on time management, exactly. but I wasn't overwhelmed by it when I got to school. If you were like me, I struggled in college when I had more time. Right. It was always right. like, oh, I can do that. Oh, well, I don't have practice today, so I can do that later. It was like, mm -hmm. like, no, like I needed that structure. And that, that was like you said, I, I definitely took away that from there as well. So for sure. Okay. So each week we do recurring questions with our guests. Very fun to compare answers. If all jobs in America paid the same, what would you do for a living? 
so it, it, w- it would be similar to what I do now, but I would probably go back to one of my first jobs ever as a summer day camp counselor where I just took kids on field trips. We went to like Reds games. We went rock climbing. We'd get on metros. We'd go to Jungle Gyms. was like a, a fancy grocery store and pick out weird stuff. If I could do that every single day, that would be amazing. I would definitely go right back to that. That's cool. That is awesome. And, and that is not something that would probably match your current salary, so probably not no. something super practical. Exactly. With some guys, you know, Richie Incognito said he wanted to start a gym and I'm like, well, you can do that. Yeah, you, you can know, do that. You know, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I can show you the finances. It, <laughs> right. it fits your portfolio. What's your favorite book? Oh, man, my favorite book right now is um, from – it's from Good to Great by Jim Collins. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a study of, you know, what sets apart different organizations from, you know, just being a really good company that we all have heard of to being the absolute best above and beyond not just their own industry but just the entire marketplace um i I really enjoyed that because it gave me a lot of insights on how to personally go from good to great and how to raise my organization from good to great how to maybe take some of these concepts and add them into my family as well that's awesome i love that uh speaking of which what what are your long-term goals for iron sharpens iron so those change often and and it's that's something that is um, I've I've learned to I've learned to really focus on the progress as opposed to the goal or the product. So, or the process. I mean, the process as opposed to the product. So, every day we wake up and we just want to do things excellent. We want to serve people well. We want to treat people well because the reason I'm always apprehensive to answer that question is because if you would have asked me that five years ago, I wouldn't have said anything about what we're doing right now. And I love what we're doing right now. So, um, you know, the ultimate goal is to continue to grow and add, um, add value to people. We want to be the preferred training center, maybe open a couple of locations if, if that's what we can do. So, you know, long-term is to just continue to grow and be excellent and, and do what we're doing right now, but do it even better if we can. Cool. Yeah. I'm often challenged by a life coach I work with to create a vision and go after this vision of what I want to be. And, you know, currently I'm pursuing broadcasting. So where do I want to be? Who's the Mecca? Who do I want to model? And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I want to be Kirk Herbstreit, who I look up to. I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to be Tony Romo. I, I don't know if I want that. And I don't know if that's fear. Right. I don't know if that's me limiting myself or limiting what I think I can be. But I also like, I have this opportunity to be, with the ACC and be uh, the conference affiliated with my college team wow. and also do radio for the Bills, and I can be a homer on that broadcast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. that, to me, in the short term, like I can't map out a better fall for me. Right. So it's hard for me to create a vision at a time similar to what you're saying. Like I want to keep getting better, and I want to challenge myself this fall to like kill it in both of these. Yes. But I don't – It's sometimes it's hard for me to create a vision. Like I can tell you – a vision of who I want to be as a dad and a right. Christian and yeah. a husband. Like my a, legacy. Yes. Yeah, but the way I want to, where I want to lead this specific organization just towards excellence. I love yeah. it. I love it. What is the most exciting part of your current career or what fulfills you the most? I, I think I've said it a few times, but it's just adding value to people's lives. I, I tell people all the time, like, it, I don't want you to come here if we're not making your life better, right? And, and when I know that we're making people's lives better – I, I often ask this question, what else would I be doing with my life? Right. You know, and it's like, that's more, and what it's kind of like insinuating what's more significant than positively impacting someone else. And I don't think that everyone thinks that way, but that's where I get my fulfillment. When someone tells me 
man, when I first started here, I didn't think I could do this. And now I do this five days a week, or I rarely ever stick with something. And, and I can't imagine my life without this place, you know, something along those lines, or, Hey, that thing you said the other day really spoke to me in a moment that I needed to hear that. Like there's nothing in my life that I could do, um, above being a family man that is better than that, you know? And, and I know that someone else could do that job. There's certain things in my life that I know no one will ever be my wife's first husband, right? Like right. no one will ever be my child's dad. The, right. the, I'm irreplaceable in those areas, but in the areas that I know I'm replaceable, I just want to be excellent for the time that I get to do those things. I love that. And, and Chris Burke, who's a former pro baseball player, he was on the podcast earlier. He spoke on being others oriented, impacting mm. others is the thing that he credits for him transitioning successfully out of baseball, which was tough for him. Similar to at the end of his career, yes. he could keep pursuing it, not pursue it. And he had some uncertainty a year after he was still in really good shape. And just being others oriented and trying yes. to impact other people has helped him transition. And, and I love how that's what has fulfilled you yeah. and, and gave you purpose. Right. I, I love that. Okay, so some quick rapid fires. What's your favorite restaurant in Cincinnati? Favorite restaurant in Cincinnati is right now it's Mio's Pizzeria. They got, I, so I have a gluten allergy. They got gluten-free hoagies. They got gluten-free wow. pizza crust. I love Italian food or Americanized Italian food especially. So um, a lot of times my wife and I, we love to go there and, and, you know, sit down and eat some normal people food every now and then. So That's awesome. What was your first car? My first car, 1992 Honda Accord. And I believe you had – a similar car was your car maroon uh mine was black my black. first car was a 91 honda Accord, okay. so I, right. I had you by one year yeah and mine was black okay um that one got long story short remember when i drove into river road which was a river at the time and yes. I, t I totaled that one my dad we get some insurance money i'm thinking man i might actually get like a pretty cool car like maybe maybe there's like a cheap jeep out there or yeah, something yeah nope my dad came home with a 92 honda accord <laughs> and uh, i was like well here we go and i still I miss that car though I, I still have a photo in my my google photos of that car being towed away from out in front of my house and it was just like that was a really sad moment for me so i do not miss mine when mine finally bit the dust the radio had been stolen out of it the window wouldn't roll down on oh, the man. driver's side because it broke and it was on the automatic window, but it was like so much cheaper just to get it put in and not put back on the tracks. So uh, we went with the the, awesome. the non roll down window. The AC didn't work, so in the summer it was just a complete sweat box in oh, there. Oh man! And when it finally bit the dust and, and needed some work, I took it to a, a shop in here in Louisville, and they said it was going to be like five hundred bucks to fix. And my dad was like, that car is totaled. And I'm like, Damn, they're saying it's not totaled. And he's like, no, that's, that's, that's about how much it's yeah, worth. He said, he said it's only worth what the tires are. <laughs> right. Whatever the tires are worth, that's about what it's worth. And he said, call them up and see what they'll give you for it. And I, I called him up, and they said, we'll give you $100 for it. Call my dad back up. Hey, should I take $100 for it? He said, call him and tell him someone just offered you 200 so I called him up and said, hey, someone just offered me 200 And they said, well, we'll, we'll match it. There you and go. And I called my dad. He said, take it. Yeah, there so, you go. So my car went for 200 bucks. Who's the most famous person in your phone? Man, that's a good question. I think I – don't, I don't know. I, I, maybe – I guess you. I don't know. Are you, are you famous? I, I am famous in Buffalo, New York. There you go. Kentucky, but not many other places. Other well, then I'm going to go with Eric Wood being in my phone as the most famous person in my phone. I, I'm, I'm, that's a good question. I have to look through it and see if there's anybody in there. And then I'll just have to see if they would know who I am 
when I call them. So right, yeah, we'll get we'll get them live on the podcast. Yeah. What was your first job? My first job, my very first job, I was I worked concession stands at Sawyer Point downtown. Um, it was just this little cabin. Um, and it had like the hottest world's hottest grill top in it. <laughs> and the, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. I remember we had a, we had a firework night down there and we, uh, we had, they had a country concert and, uh, it was Toby Keith. I'd never heard of him but at the time. I just remember people were Toby Keith's playing tonight. And then all these people showed up and we were just couldn't believe that they were doing a free country concert and that it was someone that famous that would have that many people there. So we sold a lot of hot dogs that night and a lot of popcorn, but that was my first job. Do you know about me and Toby Keith? Should have been a cowboy? No. So I've, I've sang should have been a cowboy on many, many stages, and I'm not sure how it even became my thing, but now whenever I show up places, That's awesome. everybody encourages me to like try and get on the microphone. I've sang it with country music singers on stage. I've sang it, I've sang it in Nashville on stage, Key West on stage. California on stage, uh, Maui, uh, Hawaii. I've sang it all over. And even last weekend we were in Destin yes. with my family and the band's playing. And I asked my daughter, I said, what song do you want me to request? And she said, should have been a cowboy, which is hilarious. She's three. Perfect. And, uh, and I said, do you want to sing it? And she goes, yeah. Oh, so I walked yeah. up to the dude. I said, hey, I'll give you 20 bucks if you play should have been a cowboy next. And he said, all right. I said, I'll give you 20 more if you let me sing it. Oh, and he goes, yeah. deal. Deal. So we're at Hammerheads in Destin, some big restaurant, and I, I sang should have been a cowboy That's on amazing. stage there. That's I was going to ask you, how does your family feel about it? Like when – is it – so is it, you're still your kids are still young enough where this is cool that dad does this. Yeah, eventually gotcha. it'll be embarrassing, I'm sure, because I'm not any good. But I, what I always say is, you know, after I'm done, I said, wait till you hear how good these guys sound. And, and you know, a lot of times, like when I when I've done it in Nashville, it's never been with like Kenny Chesney or Luke right. Bryan. I'm playing. You know, I'll sing with like a a guy who I know or somebody knows. Someone's who, on the yeah, an circuit. Up, an up and coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, I'll I'll sing with them, but I'll say, you know, these guys aren't even, you know, the tops. But wait till you hear how good they sound, and, right. and you can really appreciate their talent. So that. I'll try and yeah. like kind of build them up, especially That's if they great. just like let me come up there. But like I sang up in Buffalo, they did the Taste of Country up there, and Michael Ray, who I had the chance to meet, who was a podcast mm -hmm. guest earlier, he gave me the microphone during Dust on the Bottle, another country song at Taste the Country in front of like 30,000 people. And I just ripped it and started singing. And he was like, dude, I thought for sure you were going to freeze up. And I said, well, I've had some practice, <laughs> yeah, you know. Exactly. It's, but I, he, I'm, didn't I'm, know, he didn't know you. Yeah, but now like, you know, for we'll have parties at the house and I'll have a band and I'll always get up and sing with them and stuff. And my buddies are always like, I love how quickly you'll spend a few thousand bucks just so you can sing Should Have Been a just Cowboy so that in front of a party. That's awesome. Last one. That. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie – Right now, my favorite movie is the, the most recent Avengers. I, re I really enjoyed that. I think everybody has said that probably in the last four months that it's been out. But I just was I just was caught up in the this great storytelling. Um, you know, it was uh, there was a lot of pressure riding on that movie, and I thought they really delivered. Um, and I and I'm a sucker for the hero's journey. Uh, you know, I just love watching. You know, a lot of those hero movies are just—it's the same thing. It's a hero right. in a normal world. They get called to something bigger. They meet a person that can help them, and then they got to fight the big battle. And it's like, how many times can we do that movie? And how many times will we all get sucked into it? But 
I thought they did a great job at, at closing out what was a, an 11 year process, right? Like how many people can go for, I think 11 years ago is when the first Iron Man came out or something along those lines. And for, they really delivered in a huge way. So that's my favorite movie for a lot of different reasons right now. Do I have to watch other movies to understand that one? Um, I, I don't think so. I think, I think again, like you'll, you, you kind of know who Captain America is, you know, who Iron, right. You like, you know who they are. So I think it's a good enough movie on its own. There's more to it. If you do know some of the backstories, but gotcha. I think you'll, I think you'll be like caught up just as much as, you know, as I was. Cause I, I have not seen probably any of the other movies that correlate to it. And, and I'm not willing to put in probably a 10 hour process. Yeah, it's, that's like Harry Potter's and stuff for me. I, I didn't catch, I didn't catch the wave up front. So I'm like, I don't know when I have 14 hours to put towards that. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's how I am with game of Thrones and all types of stuff. And yeah. one day, one day me and my wife will catch up on all that, right. but, but we'll see when the time comes. Follow Alex on Twitter, on Instagram, underscore Harbs, underscore H-A-R-B-Z. B-Z, yes. And, um, and, and be uplifted by him daily from his messages. Check out his gym in Cincinnati. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, Alex. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, so cool to kind of come full circle, compete each other, against each other in grade school, yes. in high school play together, yes. and then reconnect now 15 years after yes. we're done playing, we're done playing together in high yeah. school. Really neat, bro. Unbelievable. Thank you, man. I appreciate what you're doing. Yep. Thanks again. Throughout my NFL career, I worked with many custom clothing companies. Guys would come from around the country and set up shop in our facility and try and sell us clothes. And no one has compared to someone I work with locally in Louisville, Jordan Yoakum with Tom James. He is an expert concierge that can save you time. You know, I don't even have a full-time job right now, and it's hard for me to go to the mall and pick out clothes or to order something online, and it generally doesn't fit, and then I either got to go get it tailored or me and my wife got to go send it back. Put an end to that. Jordan works within a 100-mile radius of Louisville, Kentucky, and he will come to you with the clothes, and it's great. You can contact Jordan at j.yokum at tomjames.com or visit the website tomjames.com for more info. Let Jordan create a game plan with you for your wardrobe, just like we did preparing for NFL defenses, but instead of attacking defenses, you'll be attacking your next business meeting, wedding, or derby event in style. That's j.yokum, Y-O-C-U-M, at tomjames.com. And when you contact Jordan, make sure you tell him Eric Wood sent you. Thank you for listening to What's Next with Eric Wood, presented by Green Remedy. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate it five stars and subscribe. That goes a long way for us with this podcast. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode.